The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. All right, if you have your Bibles, let's open it to uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 19. I've got a little bit shorter message with everything else that's uh, been going on, but it's basically a message, you know, the title is Trust in God. And we're coming to the end of Matthew 19. Jesus is making his way uh, to Jerusalem. And I'm going to go back to verse 23 so we get the flow of where we are here. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you, and this is after the young man, the rich young ruler, came, What must I do to inherit eternal life? You know, and Jesus said to him, Honor your father and your mother and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, Yeah, I've done all that since I was little. And Jesus said, great, you only have one thing left, go sell everything that you have, and then come and follow me. And the young man walked away sad because he was very wealthy. And we're left with that. We don't know what he did or where he went, but Jesus responding to that said to his disciples, assuredly, I say to you, it is hard for a rich man, and by the way, by that he is saying a rich man whose God is his wealth, to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, well, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And then Peter answered and said to him, see, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? And that, that's the question that Peter asks, and this is the question that Jesus is going to answer. If you want to write this in the beginning of your notes here, Jesus is going to begin teaching his disciples about trust. Trust in me. Trust in the Lord. Trust in that I have you. So Peter, what he's saying is, Lord, you know, they've been on a three-year radical, amazing journey of following Jesus, miracles and Um, you know, Jesus' power and glory and teachings, and they have left their families, they've left their jobs, they've left their livelihoods, they've left their homes and their friends to follow Jesus. And now they see this tragic young man walking away that seemed like he had the world by the tail and was certainly seemed blessed. God had prospered him with all these things. And then Jesus says, it's hard. Uh, you know, for, for those who are even blessed materially to enter the kingdom of heaven because they, have, they serve two gods. And Jesus said, you cannot serve two gods. You can't serve God and money. And so, you know, Peter is wondering, well, what about us and all the sacrifices we've made? What, what's, where are we going to be left? And so this sets up a great question. What about us? Not only, you know, Peter and them, but what about you? It's not easy to be a Christian. Because basically what the Lord says to all of us is, I have to be number one. And everything else in your life has to be number two, three, and so on. So every one of you that are here this morning that have a personal relationship with the living God, you have your own personal story of what you have sacrificed. Everybody has given up something. Everyone has let go of something. And there will, be, there will come times and moments in your life where you go, is it, is it worth it? Especially when you look at other family, friends, co-workers, whatever, and they're not making any sacrifices. They're as selfish as the day is long. 
And sometimes they seem like they're doing great. Sometimes they seem like they're all happy and kind of getting away with it. And you're wondering, well, why am I making all of these sacrifices? And, and I have struggles and trials and tribulations and uh, you know, spiritual battles going on. And there they go cruising on down the road. And you're wondering, is it worth it? Uh, and what Jesus is going to in, invest in them is the truth. And the truth is that whatever you have sacrificed or given up, cannot compare with what the Lord has already given you in salvation, in his Holy Spirit, in the forgiveness of sins, and then he's going to bless you on into eternity. Can I hear an amen on that? You know, when I was, uh, I was in junior high school, so the young lady, Jebby here, she is in junior high school, and so when I was that age, I'd just gotten saved, and there were a lot of uh, books and stories that, that would go around, and I, you know, my mom, who was a believer, heard about this story and bought this book for me, because I was sick, and I was home, and what do you do, you know? So I read something, and she bought me this book called Through Gates of Splendor. It was about uh, a group of young guys, a little, you know, older than me. They were college age. They'd gone to Wheaton, I think, and then they wanted to be missionaries, and they were, they, they had these little bush planes and they went into the jungles and then they reached out. I think they were the Alka Indians to share the gospel. Now, you have to know that at that time I was making, you know, those balsa wood airplanes, you know, I, I was making those and I, I was, I so, I wanted to be a pilot. I wanted to fly. Now I'm a new Christian. I was in love with God and I was romanticizing. I was like a young Indiana Jones. I couldn't wait. I wanted to go into the bush and a plane and meet people that never heard about Jesus and share the gospel with them. And anyway, Jim Elliott, when they go, the story ends where some of them, uh, they realize that, that these Indians had kind of been ostracized from, uh, from society and modernity. And so um, they had made a decision that as they were reaching out to them and they put food and gifts and they're kind of meeting them and just starting to begin a relationship of friendship and trust. And anyway, they got lured in, they got trapped, and they, these Indians came and they killed some of them. They had guns. They could have easily defended themselves, but they had already made a choice in their minds that if something were to happen like that, they would give up their lives because they knew if they took their lives, they would go into eternity not prepared, and they knew that we are prepared. So, they, they were, so anyway, it was a big story, and it went, you know, was heard around the world, these young men. But anyway, the, one of the young men's name was Jim Elliott, and he, he made a quote um, that I've never forgotten to this day because he was mocked as a young college student. Why would you give up your life and a career and, you know, the wealth of America to go to some people on the edge of, you know, the world uh, that are primitive? And, you know, they, they made fun of him. They mocked him that he was, he was giving up his life for what in their mind was no good reason or purpose. And Jim Elliott once said this, he wrote it in his journal. A man is no fool to give away that which he cannot keep in order to gain that which he cannot lose. And so the story goes on. You know, yeah, he sacrificed his life, but as the families remained and they continued to reach out, they didn't give up, they didn't quit. 
Uh, Death did not stop them, and eventually some of the very same Indians who had killed young Jim Elliott and some of his friends later heard the gospel, were convicted to their core, and asked forgiveness of the wives and became believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. There was a harvest that came from that. If you want to clap, go for it. I mean, you know, I think that's worthy of uh, some recognition. Whatever we have given up, whatever we have let go of, will return to us. So I want to look at the next uh, few verses, and, and here's what I want you to put into your, uh, into your outline here. We need to finally surrender our future, whatever that may hold to God, and let it go. Here's what Jesus said in verse 28. So Jesus said to them, because they were worried. Peter was worried, and literally all of them were worried. Jesus says, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last shall be first. I think another gospel, the gospel of Mark says, uh, as he quotes this same passage of Jesus, not only will you receive a hundredfold, you will receive a hundredfold in this life as well as in the life to come. A hundredfold. (laughs) Hundredfold. Whatever you give, whatever you trust God with, I'm going to multiply it, the Lord says, a hundredfold. How many like that kind of investment? All right. So I want you to know this. I'm trying to put things in as, you know, straightforward, blunt, direct language as I possibly can. God is not so much asking us to make sacrifices, although that word is used and we understand the concept, but the way Jesus is now positioning it, he is asking us to make investments. We're investing in lives, we're investing in the work of the kingdom, we're investing in what God does, and it will yield a harvest. It will bear fruit. It will be worth it. And even Jesus, who is seated at the right hand of the Father right now, all that he gave up, all that he sacrificed, all that he did for us on the cross, on that weekend from Good Friday to the Resurrection Sunday, is worth it because of the harvest that is here with us today. I mean, right now in, uh, you know, I mean, this is, it's mind boggling when you hear about what God is doing in Asia, what God is doing in Southeast Asia right now. It wasn't that many years ago that literally there was an effort in Southeast Asia to crush and destroy and take out Christianity from all of Asia and they were arresting pastors and sometimes putting them in prison and sometimes even torturing them, and some of them even lost their lives. And they took not only their leaders, but then they took their houses of worship and they confiscated their goods and the sheep were scattered. And there were many who said, oh no, the gospel is lost and the church is gone in Southeast Asia. But something happened. (laughs) 
Without the buildings and without the proverbial leadership, a new movement began, not unlike what was started with Jesus, where they met in homes and where they had to meet in secret and where they had to, as it were, go underground. And guess what happened? The church exploded. I mean, I mean, it's unbelievable. They, there are some who estimate <laughs> there are well over 150 million believers in the country of China alone. In other words, there are probably more Christians in China than there are in the United States, and yet we're called the Christian nation. God works all things together for good, and He knows what He is doing. And so as Jesus is going to Jerusalem, and these guys are thinking about the sacrifices they're making, um, He had a decision to make. So Jesus is modeling for us. He knows I'm going to Jerusalem. This is the last Passover. He started telling his disciples, we're going to go there. I'm going to be rejected, betrayed, crucified, buried, and I'm going to rise on the third day. But even there, Jesus was saying, but I trust my life in the hands of my Father. He made a decision to trust his Father that all that he was being called by the Father to do would be worth it. He was investing his life because there would be multitudes that would be delivered from the grip of death and sin and darkness and the demonic realm and Satan himself, and there would be a harvest born, and there would be nations uh, filled with people that know the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Can I hear an amen on that? So we have, you know, we feel this way from time to time. God, where are you in the midst of this and all that I'm giving up and what all that I am sacrificing? And so we have a choice. We can either worry because Peter was worried and the disciples were worried about their sacrifice. We can either worry or we can choose to put our trust in God. But guess what? You cannot do both at the same time. Now, I'm going to make a very, you know, I don't think it's a big deal, but I'm going to just be real open and honest with you. I am a professional worrier. I worry about stuff all the time. I think it's, it's human nature. I'm not alone, am I? Let me look out there. Be honest. There's probably stuff you're worried about right now. And so we're always trying to manage our worries or whatever. But here's what God is trying to say to us. There is an option. And by the way, Oh, my heart goes out to us and to our generation. I mean, even as we prayed, you know, this incident that happened in our local community, right down the very road here, this tragedy uh, has, has been hurt. The whole world knows. So every bad thing and every even small town situation can be magnified to billions of people. That's a lot of, you know, there's a, and there's a lot of bad stuff going on. There's a lot of bad news and a lot of stories uh, that are horrific. In other words, there's much to worry about. And our own, you know, the studies keep coming out how that this generation is, is more worried, battling more anxiety, more fear, more depression, more, you know, trying to manage it with various medications or whatever else that there is than any generation in the history of our country. So, you know, here we are, we're believers in the midst of all of that. We have, and here's the choices. We can either worry, which is the worldly way of doing it, or we can make a choice to trust. I want you to look at this scripture, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, because this goes directly to what 
Jesus is now trying to share with his disciples, don't worry about it. Your future is in my Father's hands. And by the way, he's got great plans for your future. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Let's read it out loud. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Where he says, do not be anxious, what he's saying is, do not worry. That's what anxiety is. Don't worry. Instead, pray. All right, I want you to look at me. Everybody, eyes up here. I want you to repeat after me. Don't worry. I I didn't do that very good, did I? Okay, let's say it again. Don't worry. Instead, pray. Let's do it again. Don't worry. Instead, pray. Turn to your neighbor and say it right now. Hurry, instead pray. That's the solution. You and I, we have, a, we have a choice. We can either worry about it or we can choose to trust God and literally give everything in our lives unto the Lord. And so that's what he is saying to us. Don't worry, instead pray. What we can do is, um, and we all got things that, that we're worried about, And here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your hands out like this. All right, just so kind of symbolically, you you got your hands out. You got stuff inside your head and your heart that you're worried about. I want you to take everything that's in your head and everything that is in your heart that you're worried about, and I want you to put it in your hands. Put all your worries in your hands. Okay, so now, here here we are in church. We're in the house of God. Okay, Lord, here I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. Here's all my worries. You can feel it. it's pretty heavy. It's weighty. It's got, there's a lot of stuff. And, and there's a lot of energy that goes into all that worry that we have now. But we're in prayer. We take all of our worries in prayer and we give it to God and we let it go. That's what, that's what prayer is. Taking all of the weight, all of the burden, all of the cares, you know, we don't hide it. I mean, it's God knows he sees us and Lord, it's there and it churns in my stomach and it's a knot in my head. Okay, I'm taking it in prayer and I'm putting it in my hands and Lord, now I'm giving it to you. And so here's what prayer is. Lord, I give it to you, which means I let it go. I'm not going to, don't take it back from prayer. Let it go. Let it go. Say, God, you take it. I'm leaving it here in prayer before your throne. You, you take it, uh, you do with it as you will, but I am choosing today to trust in you. Can I hear an amen? amen. That's what prayer is. I mean, very simply, without over-spiritualizing it, prayer is you go before the presence of God, you tell him, here's what I'm worried about, and you give it to him, and then you let it go. Let it go. Let it go, let it go, let it go. My prayer for you today in the name of Jesus Christ is that as you have come, you know, we're not here just to attend services and go to church and, okay, I was there, but we're we're to experience what we are learning. And this is what it means. Prayer, the purpose of prayer, 
According to Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, is to take all my worries and all my anxieties and bring it in prayer to the Lord and then let it go. Leave it with the Lord. He's got it. And then you, what's fun is now as we leave it with him, we let it go, and then we start moving forward, we get to watch. I wonder what God's going to do with all my worries. And it's awesome to see that God, he works on it. If you take it back and you churn in your stomach and you wrestle with it in the little knot in your mind, he'll leave it. He'll, he'll, he'll let you wrestle with it until you get tired. When you're done trying to work it out and it never, worry never accomplishes anything. That's why, take it, okay, Lord, I bring it out. I get, I tra it's a transfer of the weight and the responsibility to you. I give it to you and I let it go. And then here's the thing, if you will do that, if we will do that, then you will, if you let it go, the sign that you have let it go is that the peace of God that passes understanding will come upon you. And I'll tell you what, once you actually discover that peace, like, whoo-hoo, Lord, I transferred it to you. Man, I was worried sick about my lousy job. Now, Lord, it's your problem. It's your job. <laughs> Do with it what you want, Lord. But I'm letting it go. And it's a wonderful, freeing, liberating, glorious experience. And if you put it to the test, you will experience the peace of God that passes understanding. Now, I want to close with three practical things. So how do we, so, okay, so I've explained that's what prayer is. We're trusting in God. We're letting it go. But, but how do you grow in trust? Because God wants this to become a way of life. He wants it to become part of your nature. Number one, you have to get to know God better. You have to get to know God better. The, the reason for coming to church is not just to go to church. The, the whole reason that we come here, and by the way, this is the number one reason why Maranatha Chapel exists, is for all of us to go on a journey together to get to know God, not only just to get to know Him, but to get to know Him better and better and better and better. I want you to know the ways of God. Moses said, Lord, Show me your ways. Who are you? What are you like? What's your character? What do you do in this situation? And wow, did God blow his mind during those 40 years in the wilderness. Provision, protection. I can open the skies. I can bring bread, manna from heaven. I can make water gush out of a rock and quench the thirst of two and a half million people. I can knock down the idols that are there, the false gods of Egypt. I can deliver you. I can make your clothes last and not wear out for 40 years, your sandals on your feet. I am with you. I go before you. I will bring you into a land that I have promised for all of you. It's a wonderful thing. So you say, well, I, I already know God. Well, good, but guess what? You can get to know him a lot better. And, you know, so I've been, here's the thing. If you ever get to a place where you think, okay, I know that, I know the Bible. You know, I've, I've met people, they go, yeah, you know, I, I used to go to church because they always talk about the Bible, but I read the Bible. And so they're kind of like, I'm done. I'm like, are you kidding me? You think you know everything just because you've been through the Bible one time, you read it? Look, I've been following the Lord, and, and I'll tell you what, I am not the same man I am today that I was when I started pastoring at 20, or when I was 30, or 40, or whatever. I, I know more of God than I've ne ever known in my whole life. I'm so excited. He blows my mind. 
I'm getting to know him more and more and more. I'm getting more excited. And I want to know more of him because, I'll tell you why, the more I know him and know his ways and know his character, the more I am able to trust in him. When you know God, who he is and what he's really like, you're like, wow, I trust in you, Lord. I know you're so good and I know your character so well. Absolutely, I can trust in you. So I want you to look at this, Matthew 6, uh, 31 and 32. Let's read this out loud together. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. So I'm going to just take these last three points real quick, practically, and I'm going back to the Sermon on the Mount because we're still in the Gospel of Matthew. This is the sermon that Jesus is living out. This is what he's teaching the disciples all the way now to the end of his journey with them. And, and his message all the way along is, stop worrying. Don't worry. Are you worried about what are you going to eat? What are you going to drink? These are what the pagans who have no relationship with the Creator think about. Your heavenly Father knows you need all of these things. So we get, we're getting to know the Lord. We're getting to know and be able to trust Him in new ways. So you have to get to know God better. Number two, put God first in er every area of your life. That, that's a lesson. Uh, Jesus taught it uh, here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Let's read this out loud. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. I mean, the, put the kingdom first. Put God first. In your marriage, put the Lord first. And with your kids, trying to raise them, put, your, put the Lord first. With your job and career, stop worrying about your agenda. Say, Lord, what is your agenda? What is your will? What do you want? I'm putting you first. And if you start doing that and start honoring the Lord, God will start pouring out blessings upon your life that you just cannot keep up with. Hallelujah. All right. Number three, and I close with this one. Again, it's from the Sermon on the Mount. Learn to live one day at a time. Did you know Jesus lived one day at a time? In fact, he said it this way, Matthew 6, verse 34. Let's read this out loud. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Don't worry about, we spend a lot of time worrying about the future. And, and here's the problem with worrying about things that may happen in the future. Most of the things that we worry about never actually happen. We spend a lot of energy worrying about things that may never happen. Now, you know, like in San Diego, I love San Diego. How many of you love living in San Diego, by the way? I mean, we're on the edge of paradise already. So anyway, it's a beautiful place and we got this great weather. But if we ever do have weather, I love watching the weather on the news, the local news. Stormwatch San Diego. Right? Everybody starts driving three miles an hour if we get a little... But they're worried, oh! And so you're carrying umbrellas wherever you go, worried about whether it comes. But am I not right? Half the time they say storm, nothing ever comes. Don't worry about it. You live in San Diego! <laughs> Jesus learned to live one day at a time. What if you actually, what if you and I actually tried that? 
I know that there are things that are coming. Oh, man, what about this? What about that? And it's all in the future, and it can pile up. Before you know it, you're like, wow, you don't even want to wake up. You don't want to get out of bed. Tomorrow's coming. <laughs> and Jesus, he, he taught us, don't worry about tomorrow. That's what he just said. Tomorrow's got its own stuff. So live for today. All right, so tomorrow is in the hands of the Lord. Today. Today I choose to take whatever's going on in my life. Lord, I, I let it go and I give it to you. Wow, he's got it. Wow, I'm feeling kind of light today. It's a blue sky, beautiful, sunny kind of a day. What if you could just enter in and enjoy what God has given and what God has put before you? And tomorrow, hey, then we'll do the same thing. Live one day at a time to his kingdom and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our weekend services held Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.